From the wheat fields of the Thumb to the cherry trees on the Third Coast, Michigan grows more than 300 different foods and products that we all enjoy every day. We're on a mission to find every local restaurant, manufacturer, and food company sourcing their ingredients right here in the mitten. And in the process, bridge the gap between the farm and your fork. We want to introduce you to all things Michigan agriculture and food. This is Michigan AF. Welcome back to the Michigan AF podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Nockreiner. Today, I am thrilled to welcome back Ambassador Maddie Carey to help co-host this episode. Maddie is a senior at Michigan State studying agribusiness management. She served as an ambassador for the Michigan Ag Council for three years, and today she's going to help us learn more about how young people are being prepared to enter the agriculture workforce. Welcome back, Maddie. I'm glad to be back. Thank you. So let's start by reminding everyone where you grew up and what led you to be involved in the ag industry. Yeah, for sure. I grew up in Alma, Michigan, um, on a farm just outside of town. Uh, we have a cash crop, a feedlot, and an elevator operation. Uh, growing up, I was involved in 4-H. I showed cattle ever since I was old enough to do it. And then once I got into high school, I got really involved in FFA and decided that there's so much more to agriculture than just farming and decided that I wanted to pursue a degree. And that's how it, it's all history from there. How did you decide that you wanted to study agribusiness management specifically? Yeah. So coming into college, I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do. And I had some older friends that had done it. I also had some older friends that had studied other things and ended up not using their degree. Um, and they said that it would have benefited them more to have a ABM degree. And so I decided that since I didn't know what I wanted to do, it was very broad and I can go just about any direction with it. That's great. And I understand that even though you don't graduate until this coming spring in 2023, you already have a job lined up, right? Yes, I will be working for Syngenta and crop protection sales. So I'll be in Wisconsin for six months for training, and then I'll be placed somewhere in the Midwest to take over my own territory. I just think it's so great that coming out of college, you already know kind of that your future is is set and secured and you're good to go. Yeah, it makes this year a lot less stressful, not having to apply for jobs and interview and do all of that stuff. I can really enjoy this last year. That's wonderful. So you have been an ambassador with Michigan Grow Michigan Great now for three years. Why do you keep coming back and joining us? Well, I just can't get away, I guess. No, I really, I love um, making the connections with consumers. You know, I grew up on a farm and so that's all I saw growing up. I only saw our farm. And so it's really diversified my experiences and learned how to have uh, the proper conversations with consumers and just like understanding that they don't hate farmers and helping farmers understand that consumers don't hate them. They just want to learn more and see more. And so um, I, I enjoy like helping that gap between the farmers and the consumers. 
I think that's really awesome the way you say that consumers don't hate farmers and farmers don't hate consumers because I think it is a pretty big misconception out there that there is a lot of animosity towards one another where I think it's really more of just a lack of understanding. And I think that's definitely, you know, through this ambassador program, you've had a great opportunity to help do that. For sure. Yeah. So in this episode, we are chatting with Dr. Karen Runner, who's one of your professors at MSU. What made you want to interview her? I had Dr. Karen Runner for Common Soil Science 101 this semester, and she was a great professor. Um, she actually used some of our videos that we had on our Michigan Grown um, website. And once I saw that, I was like, well, she knows who we are. And she really did a great job in our assignments, like asking not, well, kind of controversial topics and asking our opinion. And so I thought it would be really cool to um, chat with her about that because she has a lot of people that take her class that aren't crop and soil science majors um, that are in the College of Ag, even people who are like environmental studies have to take six science credits and they could use that for animal science or common soil science. And so you get a lot of kids that didn't grow up on farms and you get a lot of kids that did. So uh, she really has like a wide range of students and I think that she can offer a great perspective. Great. Well, I'm excited to talk to Dr. Runner. So let's go ahead and get into that. In Michigan, more than 800,000 people are employed by the agriculture industry. From farmers to processors, sales, and educators, there is a vast opportunity for careers in agriculture. And preparing these young people for those careers is Michigan State University professor Karen Runner with the Crop and Soil Science Department. Welcome to our podcast, Dr. Karen. Thank you. How are you today? doing great. So Maddie had approached you, I know, and asked you to be on our podcast. So I'm really going to let her roll with this interview. She has some questions. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Maddie. All right. Um, so to start us out, I would love for you to kind of give us an introduction, what your title is now and where your involvement stems from in agriculture. Sure. So my title at Michigan State is a professor. I'm, I'm Dr. Karen Renner. I have a PhD in agronomy and I have worked in agriculture since I was 18. I didn't grow up on a farm, but had friends through college that were farmers who had worked on farms. So I was just one of those kids that was always outside and like dirt plants, et cetera. So um, it was a good fit for me. Where did you um, grow up? I grew up just north of Lansing, um, in the East Lansing uh, area, right where we border Bath, Michigan. If, if you, I'm sure MSU students know where that's at. So I went to community college my first year, and then transferred to Michigan State for my next years. I and just ended up, you know, being a major in crop and soil sciences and working while I was putting my way through school, and ended up staying in agriculture. Cool. Well, that leads to my next question. You went to MSU and you're still here, so you must like it quite a bit. What made you decide to become a college professor? Um, well, if you told me back in high school I was going to be a college professor, I would have thought you were crazy or because I had no interest. Um, I liked school. I did well in school, but I had no plans other than to get 
some type of education so I could support myself after college. And I was hopeful that I would then like like my job. So I went to college just because I needed to, to have a what I thought a decent income after school and ended up graduating. I, I worked quite a bit through college, left college, came back. Um, and then when I graduated, I ended up working in sales down in Indiana for three years. And this is a long time ago. This is right when glyphosate herbicide sold under the name Roundup first came out, was first being sold. You know, no-till farming was not even on the radar at that time, just kind of starting. Uh, most herbicides were applied to the soil, not to growing weeds like many are today. So it was quite a different world back at that time. And I had no background in sales and business, but I was hired because of my ag background. background. So I worked there for three years and I learned a lot about business and sales, which was super important for me. But I liked the technical side a lot better. I liked it when corn had problems emerging or when um, something a farmer did didn't work well and they called me in because I had sold them a product. And most sales reps hated that part of their job because people weren't happy, but I actually liked trying to problem solve. So I left my job and went back to school and earned a master's and a PhD and thought I would go into product like research. Um, but I ended up wanting to be a professor at a university because I can conduct my own research. I can talk with farmers through extension. So that was what I wanted to do. And I interviewed a few places and I just got really lucky. I ended up back in Michigan after having been gone for a few years. So it worked out well. That's super cool. Well, that leads into the next question. Uh, what is some research that you've done in the past and what are you currently working on? So my first role at MSU for 15 years was research and then extension where we talk with farmers and agribusiness people. And I did a lot of work in weed management, like how to control weeds, like people do in their gardens, but also how to control weeds in, in corn and soybeans and sugar beets and all the different crops that we grow in the state. So that was my focus. And I also worked a lot with weed biology, like how many weed seeds are produced, what happens to all the seeds that the weeds produce. So it was kind of a broad like weed management program. And then when I switched into my teaching and research role, I also changed a lot of research areas and I work a lot with cover crops now, uh, fitting cover crops into cropping systems. And I still continued work like with weed biology. So um, in the cover crop research, just like most of our research at MSU, we work with other professors, not just at our university, but across the country. So in our cover crop research, we have soil biologists, um, people involved with like breeding plants, crop modelers. It, it's really a collaborative effort when we do research to try to benefit um, farmers, but just the whole food production system. Awesome. All right. The next question I have for you is, over the years, have you seen a shift in the kinds of students that are pursuing agriculture-related degrees? Uh, definitely. We've seen a change. I can comment that when I first started teaching the first crop science class, it's CSS 101, sounds like a first class, there were like 50 students in it and everyone had a connection to ag somehow. And now we fast forward to today and this past fall, I've had 200 plus students uh, in the class and they're from 35 different majors from all over the university. 
Um, the class is considered a STEM course, you know, science, teaching, engineering. And so students can take it as one of the required STEM courses if they're outside of our college. So it's been super interesting for me as an instructor to figure out how to teach such a broad range of student backgrounds and interests. And I, I think it's made me uh, a better teacher as I look at others' viewpoints that come from a very non-ag background, and they're taking a course to try to understand how we produce food and feed in the U.S. So it, it's been really an uh, interesting change, but I think a very good one. That's really cool. I didn't realize that um, there was like a shift for more students. And I definitely think like someone from an ag background like me is it's really beneficial to go in those classrooms and have people that don't know anything about farming uh, to be able to understand like what they know and um, have a, another opinion, you know. So I really did enjoy the class and how we had to um, offer our own opinions up in assignments and that kind of stuff. Um, so my next question is, what is your favorite part about teaching the future of agriculture? Um, I think it's because we change so rapidly. It's like any field, it changes rapidly. It, you know, with all the information today in the world and all the science and all the technology, what we talk about today differed than what we talked about five years ago. I mean, some things don't change, right? That soil contains organic matter that soil has um, certain types of particles in it. That, that doesn't change, but how we view soil organic matter, how we understand how there's different components to it and which plant roots contribute to which components of organic matter, that changes. And we use so much in technology now, uh, drones, everybody knows about drones. Well, we use drones a lot in agriculture Crop insurance, people fly them when they can't get into fields to look at damage. We fly them over orchards where the trees are tall and we can see when something's happening at the top of the tree that we can't see when we're walking on the ground. Um, we have all experimental types of weeding tools that are being used in Europe now, not necessarily experimentally, but in vegetable production, almost like a robo vacuum that everybody knows about. They're robo-weeders. So imagine a farmer pulling into a field and releasing out of a box these robo-weeders that are programmed to go up and down the rows. You know, they have the software programmed into them. And then the farmer pulls in at night and collects them all. And then they somehow get recharged to go out in the field again. And it sounds kind of space-age crazy, but it's not space-age crazy. I mean, they're already starting to do this in Europe and some of the smaller vegetable fields. Uh, we talked about laser weed control in 101, and we've talked about electric weed control for years, but is this going to happen? You know, you and I consider, oh, this sounds just crazy, but crazy ideas are where the future and technology comes from. And startup companies and farmers figure the things out. Think about where Precision Ag came from. And when Monsanto back bought Precision Ag, those were a couple farmers that had figured out a better way to do something. So I think that's why I like teaching this class. It's not like teaching uh, algebra one, which hasn't changed, right? <laughs> but this class is constantly changing and it's exciting to, to learn about all about that and then tell students about that and how it's going to change their world. 
Well, you kind of answered the next question. It's really cool to hear about all the technology, but I guess to kind of reword the question that I was going to ask is, um, so during the pandemic, I feel like that really pushed these um, technological advancements. So from 2020 to now, uh, have you seen like a huge shift in technology and like, where do you see it going in the next five to 10 years? Like, for example, like the drone sprayers, I got to see one of those this summer. Like, do you see those taking off or what, what do you see happening? Yeah, we're trying to figure out for just example with drones. Um, in Michigan, there was one, a couple of ag businesses that had drones. The drones were not just for viewing crops, but they looked at them for flying on cover crop seed. Uh, we've looked at them for putting on fertilizer. Right now, it's a question of power and weight and how to figure out how to do it. We have different cameras on drones that can sense thermal stress. Just like you or I, if we're not feeling well, we run a fever. A crop in the field also changes its temperature when it's stressed. So what that does is allow us then as as people to go into those stressed areas to see what's going on. We haven't figured out yet how to make a drone diagnose why the crop is stressed to a point yet. So I see those technologies as, you know, we don't even know some of the ones that we'll hear about in the next two to four years. I would comment that, you know, COVID changed us a lot in teaching And before COVID, I would have once in a while a meeting online, but it was rare. But today now, I can meet with people from all over the U.S. for an hour this afternoon. We all do it through Zoom. Everybody from age five on up knows how to Zoom now. And it's really helped us in communicating and just visiting with people through Zoom. And you as students now have the ability to never leave your your home room. You can stay home and get an online degree now at many universities. And like right now, I teach a cover crops course with seven other universities. So the students all Zoom together uh, one hour a week. And then we have a two-hour lab where we meet separately at Michigan State and do a lab outside with cover crops and work on that. But those opportunities are great, you know, because you can now have a class with students from Nebraska or Kentucky and learn what they're doing in their farming systems. And Over the last two years that we've been teaching that, the students have said one of their biggest take-homes is they really like talking to students from the East Coast and out, you know, in Nebraska and see what they're doing on their farms. That's so cool. It's crazy how we can just talk to whoever we want now over Zoom and we're all pretty comfortable with it. Um, Okay, the next question is, I guess, outside of technology and cover crops, what is your favorite topic to teach in the classroom, what do you feel is like the most beneficial topic to teach like all of your students? Well, it depends. Like with 101, I think it's helpful for students to discuss their views on certain topics. Like for example, you can read in the news that all the fertilizer that farmers utilize is ending up in surface waters and groundwater. So That's a view that many students have coming in, and you may have students from a farm that say that's not true at all. So I think what I enjoy is talking to students about what actually happens to a fertilizer when it's applied to the soil, whether it's in your garden or on a thousand acres, and talking about where it goes and what its fate is, and then saying, can it potentially end up in water? And the answer is yes. 
does it potentially end up in water? Sometimes, but not um, what some people come in thinking that everything that's applied to the soil ends up in our water resources. So I think that's what I enjoy the most is taking some of those kinds of views and trying to look at it objectively. You know, we all have opinions, but to to look at here's here's the opinion. This is where this came from. Here's the opinion where is this came from. So now you can think about this and it may change your opinion. It may not, but you're giving given the information about it that I think can be helpful. And a lot of students don't really understand um, how they end up with a box of Jiffy cornbread. So explaining um, where that corn is grown and how, what happens to it, you know, where it, where it goes. I think that those are what's favorite about teaching is trying to show people uh, the knowledge that we have, and then try to have them think about that in terms of their their current viewpoints. I think that's where the the fun for me comes with teaching, not just the topic areas, but figuring out how to present that topic area so students walk away from that, not just having memorized something that just disappears, but thinking about how it all works. Yeah, I would agree with that. I enjoyed that part of your class, and I honestly think you can be in you know, a better state than Michigan. We have so many crops here. We're so diverse. The opportunities to teach students about where their food comes from is unlimited here. All right, next, I would like you to explain your experience as a woman in the agriculture field and how has it changed since you started? Like, obviously it was a little more male dominated and now we're kind of seeing a shift for the future. So could you explain your experience? It was very different. 40 years ago, there was very, very few women at MSU in the College of Ag and Natural Resources. As a student, um, I think in my major, there was two of two women. And um, then when I became a professor, uh, there was, again, very few women, and we all knew each other really, really well. But I would say that if you listen well to people, um, and you learn from people and interchange information, I I don't think that there's any barriers. I've never found any barriers in Michigan. I would say the farmers, when I first was on the road in extension, they were very, very, very interested in what I had to say. And you could view that as, oh, I'm, I'm a, woman, a woman and they're wondering what I have to say, but I was also really young. I, I replaced someone that was in their 60s and I showed up and I was 30. So I think anytime that you're new and you're supposed to be a source of knowledge, people are going to really want to listen to you and decide themselves that they think you can be um, a good resource for them or not. And then a, a woman is kind of overlayered on that. But I would say Michigan producers, you know, 99% of people are super receptive to anybody they meet until they learn that they may not want want to be receptive to that person, you know, how that goes. So I think it's really different um, back then. And then fast forward to today, and over half our students in agriculture are women. Over know, probably one third of professors or instructors are women. So it's really not anything that we think about much in the Midwest today. I, you know, I would comment that people of color, um, that is still very rare. Um, in agriculture, and that hopefully will change over the next 20, 
20 years as people have more interests in all the opportunities that agriculture careers can give them. That's a great point. And I would agree with you. Uh, I was doing um, a sales internship this summer and I had talked about, you know, being a woman in ag and especially in, you know, crop protection, that's very male dominated. And I talked to people about it and it's like, well, the good part about it is you're a woman and you stand out. So they're likely going to want to listen to you and hear what you have to say. And they're going to be engaged because you stand out from the other peers in your group. So I do think that um, it is at an advantage to, to be a woman. You know, there can be some times where it can be a little tough, but I definitely think we do have an advantage as well. Now, I would say it, I would say at Michigan State, our um, vegetable plant pathologist, uh, Dr. Hosbeck, Mary, um, our weed scientists, um, Dr. Christy Sprague and Dr. Aaron Burns, our field crop entomologist, Dr. Uh, Chris Stefanzo. Uh, women are very important for pest management across our state as far as resources at Michigan State and doing a lot of work in plant diseases and insects and weeds. So I think, you know, our state, Michigan is, is a great state to work in, and our farmers have been very, very receptive to knowledgeable young people, no matter um, what what race or gender they might be. And I think that's a credit to, to Michigan producers and Michigan agribusiness. Yes, I totally agree with that. Michigan grown, Michigan great, right? Yep. <laughs> um, all right. So lastly, I have a little uh, bonus question that I um, somebody told me to ask you. So in our class, you asked us if we had 100 acres that Michigan State gave us, what would we grow on it? So I would like you to answer that question now. If you had 100 acres given to you, what would you grow? I would grow a diversified farm because I like to interact with people. And if you have a diversified farm with uh, some uh, types of crops you're growing that might be for a farm market or you need to be able to grow them, but you also need to enjoy interacting with with people. So I would have a diversified farm and I would grow some you pick, some not. Um, and then I would, I mean, I could lay it all out, but we don't have time in the podcast, but that's what I would do. And it was interesting with that assignment. A lot of students put what they liked, what they knew well, because if you're given 100 acres, you don't want to fail. So if they knew how to grow corn well or alfalfa well, that's what they put on those acres. And then we talked about, you know, people rotate crops. You don't grow the same thing in the field every year. Just like in your garden, you should not plant carrots in the same spot every year in your garden because that's not uh, good. You're going to have pest issues. So you would have a crop rotation on those acres, right? And you would decide what that rotation would be. And then you would decide how complex that rotation would be. And then you might add cover crops to that rotation. You would decide how you would farm it. And that's what we do in the senior year capstone course. We actually um, do that kind of project with the economics of it and the whole, whole uh, farming opportunity on 100 acres, just so students have a good perception. And we don't let students grow just a single crop year after year. And it makes it interesting. They work in teams and it's a lot of fun. So 101 just kind of introduces it. And I joke that if MSU gave you 100 acres versus a diploma, um, what would you do with that? And a lot of students said, boy, that's, I'm, I'm getting a, 
a big value here for my 100 acres. And for those that don't work in farming, you know, if you take 100 acres and multiply it by what we buy farmland for in our state, that would be a very nice diploma to get back from Michigan State. Well, that's awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much, Dr. Karen Renner, for coming on today. I really appreciated talking to you, and I think that you offer a great perspective. Thanks for having me, and you have a great holiday season. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thanks again, Dr. Karen, for joining us to share about your experience uh, in preparing really the future of Michigan agriculture. And thank you, Maddie, for joining us as the co-host and you are the future of Michigan agriculture. So I appreciate both of you joining us on the Michigan Agriculture and Food Podcast. And as always, thank you for listening and we hope you'll come back real soon. The Michigan AF Podcast is a project of the Michigan Ag Council and the Michigan Grown, Michigan Great campaign. We are a coalition of farmers and agribusinesses committed to providing the best possible foods and products for our neighbors, communities, and the state we all love. To hear more podcasts and to learn about Michigan's agriculture diverse sector, visit michigangrown.org.